Welcome to another episode of Majoring in the Miners podcast, a podcast where we talk about how the majority of people focus on the minor and insignificant things in life. Your hosts, as usual, Mahi and Louis. So, our fake sponsor for this episode is Cyberlump 1999. Louis, tell our listeners about Cyberlump. Well, Cyber. Cyberlump is a great, it's this game. Mahan, you do it because I don't even know what the sponsor is. <laughs> Sorry, uh, there's no Cyberlump. If you Google it and you see something, do not click on that link. It's all made up. All right, we have, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, we have a great um, guest today. Uh, one of my favorite people in the esports uh, scene, Frankie Ward. I'll let her do her introductions and then we go kind of go deep into it as well. Uh, but Frankie, Welcome to our show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you. Oh, God, I got to introduce myself. Okay. Um, I am an esports host and I do lots of different games. Uh, and I do stage, desk, and sideline kind of interviews as well. So basically, I'm in some kind of hosting role. Usually, I don't commentate, I'm not an analyst. Uh, I mostly do Counter Strike, but I've done lots and lots of different games too. Nice. Well, I know you have a, uh, Frankie has her own podcast as well, um, My Life in Pixels. Um, my first, uh, Lewis, before I start with questions, actually, I'm going to let you talk a little bit because you're part of this and you haven't said much. Uh, well, well, thank you for the introduction, Mahan. Uh, yep, Frankie, welcome. it's great to have you here. Uh, I just wanted to know one thing before we kind of kickstart our main topic. What kind of brought you into gaming? So I've always been into gaming, I guess my dad when I was really young with his laptop and point and click kind of games like Monkey Island, game called Hugo, he'd done it. And then I was doing a, a League of Legends coverage with the BBC, the first BBC esports coverage. And I, I just went, oh my God, there is space for me to work in gaming. So that was 2015. And now, yeah, I, uh, I'm full time. I was a producer for Twitch for a couple of years. And then I became a, well, less than two years, actually. And then I became a full-time esports host about two and a half years ago. All right. And I mean, I don't know if you're allowed to answer this question, but what's your favorite video game of all time? Favorite video game of all time is quite a difficult one. I, I'd say the game that I complete the most is Monkey Island 3. I think, you know what, even though actually I've only played it once and I need to play it remastered, I think, I think. Is Final Fantasy X. I just have a very emotive reactions when I think about that game and watch things or even hear the music from that game. Like I once saw an orchestra do, the BBC concert orchestra did a video games music concert and you didn't know what songs were going to be played because it's been recorded for the radio. And then as soon as Return to Zanakan played, which is the main theme from Final Fantasy X, I just started crying straight away. <laughs> it was literally like took four notes and I was like, Ugh. Uh, yeah. And of course, like, I play a lot of Counter-Strike and Counter-Strike has had the biggest impact on my career. So that is the game that I play the most frequently. All right. And yeah, I agree with Final Fantasy X. The ending was just really just really sad the first time yeah. i watched it i just i was confused yeah i love that game so much like in a way I, I couldn't really continue much with final fantasy 10 part 2 just because i felt like i didn't like what they'd done to the characters and things oh, yeah. but one day I'll, i might finish it <laughs> all righty uh mahi continue right. for now until all right we get well, to the main bit. first thing i'm gonna say is you guys are gonna hate me but uh i played games when i was in iran and i didn't understand English at the time, all right? So when I played games like this that had like, you know, there's a lot of interactions, like any type of Final Fantasy game, it was just not big in our country because we didn't understand it. Like we had to play games that were simple to follow and just like, you know, just go through it. So I'm sorry if I do not share the love for Final Fantasy as much as you guys do. Um, our main topic for this, so basically, I'm gonna like open it up a little bit. Um, Gaming as a scene has grown so much, and now we have esports, which is uh, electronic sports in general. Um, you know, big games, Dota 2, League of Legends, you know me, I'm a big Dota 2 fan, Counter Strike, all these that like they've become kind of global phenomenals because of the internet. Because back in the day, like we used to play it just like on lands, and like you know, people just used to play it smaller hubs, and now it's just like everywhere, anywhere you, you go, you see gamers of all ages, size, and shape. Uh, and 
well, having Frankie as someone who works in this industry, I really want to know because like people normally associate gaming with like it's a boys thing it was a boys club i don't agree with it i think it's necessarily not a boys club but like anything else men just take it over uh so i want to know your opinion as a girl who who is in the esports scene first of all like where where do you say um uh, girls or women are in general in esports uh how far they've come along how much more progress they can make and what are the problems that they face when they come into the scene um, I would say there's a lot of women behind the scenes and working at the gaming companies. And then that you, of course, you get people like me who appear on camera as well. And then there are women who are professional in the in the player sense as well, just not as many. And so it becomes a a sort of self fulfilling prophecy when people are like, oh well, women can't play esports and this is an example because year after year we're not seeing loads of women or if if a woman does maybe stand in for another player then there'll be a reddit thread about her or a reddit thread about a team of women that didn't do as well as the men and hey there could be another team that did equally badly that's full of men but the post will be made about the women's team it won't be made about the men's team in the same tournament and i've seen that happen so i think um it is a cultural thing it's an attitude thing like when i'm streaming as well sometimes i'll get people come into my twitch chat and they will start talking about men being better than women and saying it's biological and it's because of men hunting and the men make better hunters like i had this in my twitch chat yesterday and i and i do think it's like cultural gatekeeping that means that young women when when they or girls when they could be putting time into video games and and being the best they don't think that they should put that resource and that time in because they can't see any other women at the top. So maybe that would be a huge colossal waste of their time. So instead they go to university and they go and they go into normal, normal, I say that uh, in, in, you know, in um, inverted commas, whatever. So they, they go more traditional in their career trajectory than uh, boys who've never been told necessarily that they can't do it. So they go off and some of them do it and some of them don't make it. So we're just seeing less women. There's, there's a smaller percentage of women who will go and they will take that chance and they will shoot for the stars type of thing. And I think that is one of the big things. Um, as a, In terms of like men being more like physically able to play video games than women, I don't think there's been a definitive study on that that's proved that. And I also think that kind of thing is really damaging because why? who does that serve? except men <laughs> except some men who don't want to work with women who like what what is the point of that scientific study except to stop women from achieving their potential like i just think that is not you're not contributing to science by being like well we did the speed test with 10 boys and 10 girls and um on average the boys were faster than the girls right okay um but that's on average and that is 10 and 10 that is not everyone and when you look at players in counter-strike you're incredible at what they do so your devices and your simples and your zyrus they are they are one in a gazillion right there are loads and loads of men playing counter-strike but there are only there's only one simple there's only one zyru right there are these phenomenally talented individuals but if we kind of tell women at the first hurdle that they can't jump over it then we're never gonna you know, we're potentially missing out some incredible talent there. So I think that's one of the key things. Um, I get people in my Twitch chat telling me all the time that I need to listen to them and I need to do what they tell me to do and all that kind of stuff to be better at the game. But actually I've got better by just doing the game, just practicing, right? You know, no one else is going to do that for me. I need to do that for myself. And I think that's really, that's a really important thing. And then, you know, there is that you get, if you're on camera um, in a role like mine, you're always going to get people, uh, whether you're male or female, you're always going to get people targeting you and attacking something about you because they're unhappy with something within themselves. So, of course, the abuse that I get tends to be about the fact that I'm a woman or tends to be sexual or related to the fact that I'm female. So that's not something my male peers get, but they will also get some kind of criticism, if that makes sense. So I'm not saying that only women get uh, attacked for being in the space, but the kind of attacks we get are usually based on the way we look 
and our gender. Absolutely. I, I really like one thing you said is uh, the difference between men and women is you have a bigger sample size for guys. So obviously if I, you have 1 million guys playing, then you'll have, uh, like as a rule of thumb, you'll get more high level players. But if the sample size of women is not as big, so you, you, you're not tapping into that potential. That's yeah, that is absolutely true. I, I 100% agree with that. Um, uh, I'm going to leave it to Lewis because I know he has a couple of questions here as well. So, uh, Frankie, as you know, or as we all know, the, the whole sexual harassment, uh, sex sexism in video gaming has been around for a while. I mean, since the days of uh, Gamergate, it was a huge topic and there was a lot of backlash on um, people who, you know, who shared their stories. Have you seen an improvement now? I mean, is it is it better off now than it was back then, back then when women would come out and say, hey, this has happened to me. I mean, and where do you see it in the next few years? I mean, do you see this as something that's improving or are we regressing further and further due to, I, the, yeah. by, uh, due to the, the way, thing, due to how culture has shifted these past two years? Um, I think that the Me Too movement that happened in gaming a few months ago, like earlier this year, I think that showed that more people are feeling like they are able to to come forward and, and talk about their experiences. And I think that is partly because more women becoming visible in the space and more women got share, wanting to share their experiences publicly. And, you know, we had a bit of an avalanche. I do worry at the moment about these forums and these spaces where this kind of insult culture mounts up and these young boys are sharing these ideas that they've got from other people and that becoming their gospel and i and i sometimes i see it on you know on gaming related sites and that worries me because i think that culture carries through outside of those forums and spills into your everyday life you know that that kind of especially right now when we're all under lockdown you know you've got people who aren't seeing another soul apart from say their family or maybe one or two friends especially if you're a young teenage boy or girl you're not seeing people like you normally would so I think that um people find themselves a space within these forums and they feel accepted and they these forums tell them that they their problems are all because of women or because of girls right and um that to me is very worrying and because i know it's happening in gaming spaces it does concern me that it is something that uh will be mainstream um and i think it is becoming mainstream so that's something that worries me and yeah, as a, uh, and that's the reason, yeah, reason it's linked to gaming is because I see it on places like HLTV, this Counter-Strike Forum. Um, and yeah, um, I, I've been kind of outspoken about little things, which I think, you know, it makes people annoyed. Like I find it odd when people constantly on, on social media refer to women as females and they talk about the females this the females aren't as good at this the females can't do this and i find that very weird especially if it's the females this but men something and i'm like why why are you why are you kind of othering women even further than the old girl gamer bullshit um i find that very scary um because there's an effort to distance women and some people do it subconsciously subconsciously and, and that Again, that's a problem because it's become normal. It's become accepted to refer to women in animalistic terms. Um, I, I know that sort of is that sounds very mangled. It's still something I'm kind of processing and thinking about. I, I, my latest kind of way to explain it is to be like, if you can imagine David Attenborough narrating it, then it's probably not great. <laughs> like you can't imagine uh david attenborough being like and the women are on stage about to uh, take part in a counter-strike game but if if david attenborough's like and the females are about to have their game <laughs> like it sounds do you know it sounds a bit i don't know i'm i'm trying to i'm making it very simplistic 
and I know it's not a simple discussion um but my whole life I think I've seen instances of of girls and women being othered being seen as outside the mainstream for just wanting to do things simple things like playing sports like playing video games like studying science or maths right and so I think language is so so important in terms of how we educate people from a very young age to like have a quality in mind I really like the uh, description, the kind of uh, example you gave. If David Attenborough could uh, describe it, that that's very aptly said. Uh, since we're on the topic, and do you have any personal stories of, you know, you being harassed or you being you've dealt with um, very toxic people? But yeah, I, I mean, I, I've read stuff about myself online when I first started in Counter Strike. Uh, I definitely had, I had to avoid Reddit during my first Counter-Strike major, which was like my, it was my fourth Counter-Strike event, I think, or my third, no, it's my fourth Counter-Strike event. So I wasn't really well known to the audience and it was a very big event and I was very fortunate to be asked to be part of it, doing interviews, but I'd like read things about myself that weren't true. Uh, and, you know, obviously there was an argument that I was only there because I was a woman, because I was the only woman on the talent broad, uh, lineup. So that's the thing. If you are the only woman on the talent lineup, then people are always going to go, well, it's because you know you're a woman um and so as we start to see more women on uh, talent broadcasts that will hopefully change um and yeah i uh of course like uh the forum hltv there was a lot of comments about me and then i made some videos and i sort of was trying to take some of these some of the things i was reading i was taking them like they were real problems rather than trolling and some of them maybe were and i answered those posters uh it was a, i made three videos uh, they were called dear hltv um and that the first two enamored me to the hltv community i think and then the third one didn't because it was during the me too gaming movement and i just had enough i think of people thinking it was very normal to discuss women in the way that we were being discussed so when i made a video that kind of talked about the problem with with these kinds of posts and so, uh, yeah, that, that community very much is anti me right now because I think I want to get rid of them. And actually, I, I think the forums are cool. I just think an off-topic forum where, which isn't moderated properly, that has racism, xenophobia, sexism, I don't think that should have a place within esports. Um, it will always have a place somewhere on the internet, but I think we shouldn't tolerate it within esports. And... Uh, yeah, I've, I have read like quite graphic things about myself. I don't go looking for it necessarily. People tweet, people screenshot stuff and they send it to me. Um, when I was in Cologne recently, like someone wrote a post about me, basically they wishing I would die, like lots of things, them wishing I would die and they could come piss on my grave and tell my family that I was hated and like lots of people are kind of weighed in and being like yes 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 like you know agreeing with the post and things like that and like that can't really that can't really that doesn't get to me too much uh i think it's when people lie about what i've said on the broadcast uh like i saw someone had posted on uh esports orgs instagram that um i had said on a cast that i have a uterus and my opinion matters and it was like no i never said that but when people post it on reddit or they post it in the social sphere, people believe it and they, it can snowball. Um, and I have no control over that. So it's, yeah, that's, that for me is like the worst thing, which, you know, I shouldn't admit to because <laughs> that could like now get out. Right. And, uh, and all those forums can, you know, do what they want with that. But, but hopefully they realize there's better uses of their time and energy. Oh yeah. The internet's a dark, dark <laughs> place, unfortunately. And uh, there's just a lot of, it's all a shitty people, sadly. Mm -hmm. And one thing, one more question before I let Mahan ask, because I know he has a hundred questions for you. Um, what would, what would, like, what's the advice you would give to any up and coming female streamer? Uh, yeah. mm. um, I think uh, any women starting out in streaming, I would say set your rules and your boundaries. Try and uh, have some moderators from the get-go if you can especially once you have more than 10 viewers like 
uh, find someone you trust, whether that's someone you know in real life, who you you sort of seen in Twitch chat, and you you think you've got a a good idea of who they are, um, because moderation is super important. Set up set up a Moobot moderator, um, and that's free to use. Uh, you can pay for more features, but the the features you need with Moobot are there, and also Twitch has got some really good. Uh, it's machine learning, but it's it's pretty advanced by now because a lot of people are obviously using it and telling it what to do. But there are moderation auto mod options you can go for. So those are the key things. Uh, the thing that's most annoying for me day to day is people in my Twitch chat backseat gaming me, and I'm trying to get better ignoring them. But it's always going to happen. So often I end up stopping what I'm doing to kind of give my mini lecture on exactly why their tips are not polite or not helpful and all that kind of stuff um so it's up to you how you want to kind of use that um but i think you just kind of have to keep going and then if you do grow at some point you're not really going to be able to see the chat anyway so <laughs> because you're going to be popular for me i average it depends if there's another if there's a counter strike game on then my audience is there they're not watching me they might come to me during the breaks or between maps and things like that so suddenly i might have an influx of 100 viewers if we're in off season then i might average about 300 viewers so it really varies, but um, yeah, I tend to be doing Counter-Strike game. I'll be around the 150 to 200 mark. And then, yeah, outside of that, I can go up. But uh, that when I'm in that situation, I can still fairly keep track of the viewers and things like that. But I do need a moderator to be more hands-on and just kind of get rid of the rubbish comments. So that, that's the real key thing is moderation. Righty. Uh, Mahi, I now leave it to you because I asked a lot. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, one thing I want to say is for me, like this, I, I hate the idea of these elitist things. I feel like girls in gaming are just kind of like Tiger Wood and golf. Like people didn't want to let him in because golf was this sport for like certain, you know, demographic of people. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, now if you just like uh, come white people together as well, like someone's going to get mad. But I was like, it was a certain demographic and then he came in and just like you know got rid of all of it and beat all of them so i think like i don't get this idea of like why not let him in why like he can have so much more value if you bring like you know whoever comes in doesn't matter who's coming in like we all love games so if things make it better why stop it and the more mm -hmm. human minds are working towards something obviously it's just going to grow and get better but um for you like so this is the, this is the thing that like when you said like it changed my question a little bit how long did it take because if someone sent me that message of like you know like piss on your grave honestly i'll find that guy and like beat the hell out of him if i can but also <laughs> like w yeah. w where is that change of like because we all know people are toxic over the internet but and i'm sure no matter how much you're used to it it's still hurtful to hear like another human being actually say that and part of my language this is my one for one of the day fuck you whoever said that that's my one a day sorry about that but <laughs> um like when did you build that like you know thick skin of like you know eventually being like okay like they say what they say i'm just gonna do what i do best and like improve like how does that transition happen well yeah um, I think during I, 2018, I just didn't, I didn't really use Reddit anyway. And oh, I didn't have a massive, massive social media following. I think the most I kind of read about myself was around the PC gaming show in 2018. And that was such a positive experience for me. Um, and I did read some stuff in Twitch chat around a PUBG event I hosted in Austin that was the week before DreamHack. And like, really, um, that actually did affect me quite a lot. Um, but I think it was also because I was on a come down from adrenaline. And I think um, when your adrenaline is is suddenly dropping off after it's been quite intense for a few days, or sometimes, you know, we can be doing an event for three weeks. It can be very, it, it can feel very, very depressive. And so if you are doing VOD review, are you watching your, yourself back for, to, you know, to help your own performance or, or reading comments about yourself? It can be, I think that can be quite dangerous because of the, the dark place it can put you into um and so i think for most of 2018 i was doing so many different games and i was going to so many different places i didn't really uh sort of stick around with anything with maybe with the exception of PUBG, long enough to kind of 
let it get to me. And also PUBG, the other talent in PUBG, like were very mature, like my age type of thing. Um, and so, and they were also so lovely. They're so supportive um, of each other kind of thing. Like, you know, I'm sure we got on each other. I'm sure we got on each other's nerves and all that kind of stuff at times, but I really love being around those people. And I got to work with them again um, a couple of times last year in April and, uh, and also an event in July and a PUBG mobile event. And it was just so nice to be with those people again. Um, so yeah, I had a good environment. In 2019, when I went into Counter-Strike properly, I did like 19 events as broadcast talent. And then I did an event as, as press as well, which was really, which was much more tough, I have to say. Um, yeah, uh, it was a lot harder because I didn't sort of, Counter-Strike is very competitive. You've got lots of different talent. Um, so you don't tend to have necessarily, you don't always have the same talent from event to event. Um, so yeah, it can be, it can be kind of tough because you don't necessarily form the same relationships as I did in PUBG where every event I saw the same people. Um, but everyone in Counter-Strike is so phenomenally talented, so good at their jobs. And they're all like, they're all really nice people. I think I just was struggling with, um, the sort of things that were being written on Reddit and, and, that kind of social presence and I, I didn't really have anyone to help me adjust to it except someone being like Frankie get the fuck off Twitch chat as opposed to being like uh there was that yeah I think everyone had been through it sort of a long way before I did so to them it's quite easy you know or maybe it's not actually that's I, I can't speak for anyone else except myself can I um so yeah I just kind of learned not to not to look at reddit too much if, if i was feeling bad or not to you know use social media during events if i needed to but after the first couple of events what ha what i thought would happen happened which was people got used to me uh because i i guess they esports audiences we we want the people who we see on our screens to represent us and to be us and if you see someone new you haven't seen on the broadcast before and they haven't been a pro player, for example, then you're kind of like, who's this person? Like, why are they in our space? And I think that's what happened with me. Um, and I was brought in, I think, for my broadcast skills and rather than my knowledge of the game. And that's actually quite rare in Counter-Strike. Most people are brought in because they're already kind of experts on it. Uh, and so I got better at, at uh, doing Counter-Strike because I got to do more events. I had more opportunities. There was a development period. I was trying to play as much as I could between events. And I think people saw that. So it got better. And then it got worse this year because of the HGTV stuff. And also because the environment we're in right now is a very different one. I had lots of jobs booked in and then they all kind of went because my role doing interviews is kind of a little bit null and void when you don't have any players in the space to interview, right? So I've still done interviews and I'm so grateful that ESL have fit me into things. Um, I've done like pre-recorded interviews for most of their events this year. But yeah, uh, it's been like, definitely been, an, uh, been a learning process. But I'm pretty like, I'm pretty secure in terms of um, comments from the public. They don't tend to get to me too much unless, you know, I'm on an adrenaline drop off or something like that. Um, I much more care about what the people I work with think about me. And that is my weakness. I just, I have a weakness where I, I want to be liked and I want everyone to get on and all that kind of stuff. But that's not how the world is. It's not how the world works. So like I'd say get on with everyone I work with, but I know I'm not everyone's cup of tea as well. So it's, it's one of those things where um, you have to like remind yourself of that sometimes, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to, cause I always try to talk about fitness a little bit as well. One of the, uh, one of the figures in fitness that I really like Steffi Cohen, she's an amazing power lifter. Right. And she has like in the fitness industry, she faces the same thing. She's just like, people call her like, no, you look manly. You look like this. You should like, there's so many negative things. And I think one thing she said is like, it got to a point she was like you get to a point that when you've seen all of it then you're like well i've, I've read all of these like it doesn't affect me anymore right so like internet's internet like is that the best you got like i've seen all of it there's nothing new that can piss me off but i guess like if it if it matters to you what other people think of you then like especially people who work with you might be a bit challenging but now i want to change perspective all right i want to go like because that's problems that you faced in the fitness industry but uh, fitness sorry esports <laughs> my bad esports. now i want to go to the positives because i've known you for a while and like you know uh when i saw you on e3 stage i was just blown away and you're I, I i'm sure you remember i sent you make 
like uh, messages and I was like, oh my God, what, what are you doing there? It was so cool, like, <laughs> especially the, the shark outfit. So what are, oh, yeah. the, what are some of the best decisions you've made in your um, esports career or like, you know? Um, I think to actually do it because I lost my job at Twitch. A lot of us did on the same day. So I knew it wasn't a personal thing. And I started doing Jinx TV like on Thursday nights after work. I'd go to the studio and, and do like, you know, like 250 quid for a show, like type of thing. Um, and I got live experience from that. And I had some evidence I could do my job because, you know, I had a show reel. Great. Um, and then I sent a load of emails out and... I had one or two jobs in the pipeline that I was just going to take annual leave to do because they're like over the weekend. So yeah, in fact, no, I just had one job. There was something about PC gaming show. I didn't know if I booked it. Um, And then there was also an NHL job, the ice hockey game in, in Sweden. So I knew I was doing the ice hockey job already, but I was also having calls with other companies or emails with companies about going in to do a job with, with them right and I had a call with um the head of partnerships in Europe uh, Chris about doing something with his team and he was so fantastic and he was really supportive and he was like because there was a job on his team and I said I don't have the don't have the degree I don't have the MA in business or whatever and he was like well you have everything else like because you know you know Twitch all that kind of stuff so the other stuff we can teach you because you already have this stuff because normally it'd be the other way around right um and then I mentioned that I was thinking of doing hosting and he went, oh, oh, you should totally do that. You're really good at that. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> cool. So yeah, I gave it a shot. And so that's obviously, that was a huge decision. Another one was I was going to go and do uh, a job uh, that would, a league uh, in 2019. I was going to do um, a, a league. I won't mention what. Uh, and I would have had to leave, you know, I would have had to move somewhere for like several months of the year. And I just didn't know if it was the right role or if it was the right move to make. And so my nan was dying and there was a few different factors. And so I just decided I don't want to be somewhere else if like, and not be able to say goodbye and and things like that. So I decided to say no. And that was really hard because it was a game I loved and it was, it was something I, it was, you know, it was on my to-do list. It was something I really wanted to do, but there was like an instinct there that was like, maybe, maybe actually this isn't the right move to make right now. So yeah, I said no to that. And it turned out that was a really good decision. And that's happened. That's happened a few times. Um, it has happened the opposite way around as well, where I kind of um, locked myself into something um too early and I've missed out on opportunities because of that but again that's a learning process so 2018 was definitely about learning and then 2019 was kind of about growing and 2020 is obviously the year when it's changed for all of us and so now I'm in that period you get to at the end of the year where you're just like right what do I want to do next year like what do I want to be um it's definitely been like a difficult year in some regards so but for everyone and in terms of my career and stuff like that so yeah I've not I've not stopped working too much I've been very fortunate and I'm very grateful for those opportunities um it's just about like where do I take it like next year you know so you're coming to Dota next year I mean I would love to do some Dota I might have got to do some stuff this year uh but obviously things change so you know because if I go into Dota, it's going to be in some kind of content or interviewing role. It's not going to be in a different role to that because I need to learn the game still. And I, I started trying to learn it, but it's quite hard. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So I think it'll be an interesting one if there's any opportunities for me to go into the Dota space and kind of make some content and all that kind of stuff and, and work with that team because the talent team in Dota are just, they are a really lovely team to work with. I was sharing a green room with them in ESO One Hamburg last year when I was doing a mobile game, I was doing Clash of Clans World Finals. And so we were in the morning and then they were after us. So essentially we borrowed their stage, right? And I just would stay in the green room after the show ended and do my prep for a Counter-Strike event I had coming up directly after. And I'd just like sit there and like just for the other talent, hopefully not annoying them. Um, Because they're just such a lovely group of people to be around and they're all experts in their field. Um, I haven't got to like 
share that space with Shiva yet, but I, um, I got to see her sort of in Katowice when I did the major and she was doing interviews for, for the Dota event that was happening at the same time. Um, and I think that Action Slax is just like so talented and just such an amazing energy. And I think that Jake is, I just think he's such a phenomenal talent. Uh, and I think Dota is a space where you can, you can be crazy and you can meme and you can have that energy. And I just would really love to kind of explore that definitely at some point. Yeah, because like, uh, I'm glad you said Sir Action Slacks, like, because I, I, as a Dota fan, I see these, like, as you said, they have that kind of freedom to go a little bit crazy. And I, again, as someone who knows you, I think like, not that you're crazy, but I mean, <laughs> you, you, you have that energy. So I always think like, if you go, like, if you made that, like, uh, if you made your way onto a Dota stage, you, you could carry on like, you know, being Frankie and just like, eh, I hope so. yeah, it gives you more. Yeah, maybe one day. <laughs> Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Mm. I, I'm going to point this out there. I'm still very salty about, so for anyone who listens to this, in Dota, there are three main people that I would love, 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 love to meet. And one of the <laughs> biggest one is No Tail. And one day I wake up and I have a message from Frankie <laughs> and it's a picture of her and No Tail together. And I'm just like, I was <laughs> so salty. But I saw that picture. Still upset. He is- He's great. I mean, I, so basically the reason that I got that picture is because, um, so we were at this event in Copenhagen and he's Danish. So he's friends with some of the Australis boys who are the biggest Counter-Strike team of all time, essentially. And so we were in the bar and then I saw Dupree as player talking to, to Jonas, to, uh, to Notel. And yeah, I sort of kept up and, uh, and then simple who is, uh, he's, I think him and, and a French player called Zyri, they're the greatest Counter-Strike players, right? Uh, they're incredible. And he was actually asking for a selfie with no tail. And then afterwards, I was like, can I get in here, please? <laughs> I want a selfie too. I never even asked for a selfie with Simple. And he's like my favorite player. But I was like, but I was like with no tail, I was just like, yes, please. Um, yeah, so he's great. And obviously I've met a lot of the Dota talent and... Uh, I've interviewed actually, I've interviewed a few of the players now because I did a charity event. So I did do Dota interviews for that, which was really cool. Like, um, I interviewed Samel, I interviewed Liquid um, and, and a few of the teams. And the players are really fun, actually. I really like them. They're yeah. great. Really good. All right, Louis, back to your questions. You've been quiet for a while. I'd like to take it into a different direction. So instead of these kind of questions, I'd like to do some quick fire questions. In- okay in terms of like all the games you've played and your favorite mm-hmm. moments. So I'm going to randomly say something and you can just answer with whatever answer you'd like. So of course you're going to do this. Of course you're going to do this. <laughs> so first question, hardest game. Hardest game. Oh, um, uh, I mean, I've never played it cause it's too hard, but dark souls. So you don't like any Soulborn game, I guess. Mm, I'm just very, like, I, I, I like the accomplishment. Like, there's a game called Katana Zero. That was the hardest game I played last year. I loved it so much. It was like almost like a speedrunning game. But I don't like a game that's so hard that I hate myself for not being able to play it because I want to have fun at the end of the day. I want the sense of achievement, but I also don't want to scream my head off in the process. Ah, uh, so you're unlike Mohan and myself. <laughs> I like to yeah. suffer. Yeah, I All mean, right. Dota is incredibly hard, actually. I would say that's the hardest uh, hardest game I've actually played, I think, is Dota. Yeah, mechanically, it takes long. Mm, really hard, really hard. All right. Favorite storyline? Uh, Final Fantasy X. Ah, okay. Yeah. Wackiest storyline? Wackiest storyline. Ooh, maybe Day of the Tentacle. Huh. Tra- time traveling portal is. Huh. Hardest level? Mm, hardest level that's a good question i'm just trying to think um i mean there's a few levels in katana zero that were very very hard so when i achieved them then i was very proud of myself so i'm just gonna say i can't remember what level in katana zero maybe like the penultimate one (laughs) all right most frustrating moment in a game ah okay so there's definitely some videos of me playing Fallout 4 from when I first started streaming and maybe actually that yeah there's like a scorpion and it was uh like just terrible like a rad scorpion like mm. oh that was that was hard so yeah there's definitely some moments in Fallout where yeah I didn't 
and oh i'd i'd do the battle not really doing the right game or actually no no you know what the um penultimate boss actually the penultimate boss in uh final fantasy 10 um yeah not you yeah Braska's final aeon yes yeah exactly because i beat you yevon in two moves but the one before that was awful yeah the last i cried as a 16 year old i was crying over it yeah the the last boss was was it was just really easy because you just you just heal it till it dies yes sorry uh scariest moment the dogs jumping through the window in resident evil yes early in the game yeah that's like that's fucking terrifying man we, we were <laughs> you talking don't know what's about, gonna happen it's horrible we were actually talking about that in our previous podcast like i i screamed yeah that. yeah so did my cousin it was hilarious <laughs> uh yeah so definitely that one stands out for me oh here you jump in you're also a gamer do you have any like quick fire questions damn it you put me on the spot now okay yeah <laughs> i do have a question one question only mm-hmm. what is the best game of all time and why is it god of war uh, you know what? I, this is terrible, but I've only played the PlayStation 4 God of War. Yeah, exactly. That's the, the best that's one. The best one. I, haven't, I haven't finished it. So, oh. yeah. Oh. But I need to finish it, don't I? Okay, right. Um, I yeah. probably will agree with you when I've finished it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, a, it's an amazing game. That's one, uh, so going back to Mohan Rants, is I think gaming in, in general, like back in the day, was yeah, it was just like, maybe it was directed at young kids so you had like you know when i was you know thinking every time i think of a game for just boys i think of the first mortal Kombat. it was just like gory and mm-hmm. like cladly dressed women but now games have just become this medium of telling a story showing an accomplishment mm. just this sure. beautiful art beautiful music like it's just this different medium of you know it's a different experience it's just like again god of war for example it's it's great as storytelling great at combat great at like muse, music in general or the art style so like i think like if people just start opening their minds to the idea of that games are it's under medium just like movies it's just a way of showing what we're capable of it'll make it really beautiful mm-hmm. i'm actually going to turn that those questions to lewis and get his answers for every question that he asks. Uh, okay uh. and i'll chime in as well so, ask yeah. me the question. Yeah, ask you know, me the question. I don't have the list. You just <laughs> you had a couple of questions. Oh, I said them randomly. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh my god, I I thought you had a list. Didn't no, no, like no. I'm I'm just I just said it on the spot. Wow, you're so good. All right, favorite game of all time. Uh, uh, uh Ocarina of Time. Ooh, yeah. I have the. the uh, I can see that. But for me, I'm a bit of a weird one. I just love Crash Cards, like Crash. CTR, huh? like I, that's one game that I could play all my life. That's an interesting choice. Like, I mean, I think it's because like when I was a kid, I was so attached to it. Uh, favorite. Right. This is actually for Frankie as well. Favorite horror game. Mm. Mm. I think Resident. I mean, just the Resident Evil series is great. I haven't. I only got to the first boss battle in Resident Evil Seven, but I was wearing the VR helmet, and that was terrifying. So. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I don't tend to play too many horror games, even though my Twitch chat would love me to. I can't take it. <laughs> it's too much for me. I think I would, I would totally watch that. I'd be so happy. Not that I wouldn't watch anything else, but that would be so good as well. Yeah. I think seven. seven. I, I mean, I finished it, but I think uh, it, it had the right amount of uh, mm-hmm. scares and psychological uh, or Slenderman, actually. I think I don't know why, but Slenderman really got to me when we used to play it. Slenderman, yeah. It. We, but the thing is, we used to like go crazy over that game. Like we would just turn everything off, play it. Yeah. Uh, we actually did it at university. We we took our friends, so we were in charge of a uh, team. So we went into the woods behind university, put the posters up. So we drew all the pictures, put it on like outside in the woods. And then we gave everyone like flashlights and got them to go and try to find the pictures. That was quite fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we were meant to like be the slender men and go and scare them, but we kind of lost the because we didn't have flashlights because we wanted to scare <laughs> the others. So we kind of got lost. And then we were the ones who were like kind of being hunted by the others. So it just kind of flipped on itself. And it just, yeah, it was interesting. 
Have you played, is it Phantasmophobia? I, I was about to bring it. that game up. I yeah, was, I want to yeah. play that. I haven't played it yet. Phantasmophobia. If you play, I'll play it with you. Like that, okay. it, it's it a co-op cool. game. It, it sounds really fun. Yeah, Lewis, you, you get on this as well. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard of it. I want to get it. All right. Favorite platformer? Ooh. Hmm. Hmm. Frankie, do you have one? Because I'm, I'm, I can't remember. Mm. Favorite platformer, obviously, um, Super Mario um, is amazing. Um, I'm trying to think, what else? Bobsy, Bob I guess, not Bobsy 3D. That's the worst video game of all time. <laughs> but, um, but the Bobsy games on SNES, I used to play one at my childminders, and I really loved it. I'd say Banjo and Kazooie. Oh my god, of course, Banjix is doing it. Okay, find yeah. that. That was my favorite. So good. Okay, I'm going to steal your answer and say that as well. I love it. You can. So I've just been sent an Xbox uh, Series X and I was looking at the Game Pass games and Banjo Kazooie and Banjo 2 are included as part of that. Wow, that's awesome. And what about yeah. Conquerors? Is it there? I don't know. I haven't looked, but I think uh, the Banjo Kazooie games are by Rare and yeah. my, Rare is owned by Microsoft Studios now. Like they make Sea of Thieves, for example. So yeah, yeah that's um, why. All right. I might pl- start playing again because it's such a great game. <laughs> oh, the nostalgia. Yeah, exactly. Um, any fast questions about gaming? Um, so, Louis, I think your microphone's again doing that thingy. <laughs> Stop doing it. <laughs> your phone's too near. Stop too doing it. Yeah. That's the filter thingy. Uh, no. Um, if you don't have those questions, I still have... Frankie, I'm sorry, but I still have questions for you. (laughs) Is um, uh, what are uh, actually this one attaches to uh, like it will back back off what we were just asking. What uh, what are the games that you're looking forward to? Oh, oh my god, I can't even think. Um, Katan Zero too. I keep talking about Katan Zero. Oh my god, what's wrong with me? Um, I don't know. Actually, I know that sounds really bad. I'm so like, I'm not very good at being in the moment for the most part, but I am with games. I'm a bit annoyingly static at the moment. Obviously, I'm playing mostly Counter-Strike. Um, and I am playing on, I'm just sort of getting to grips with the Xbox and stuff like that. So I should probably make some content. This sounds bizarre, but Just Dance 2021 will probably be out <laughs> by the time you put this podcast out. I fucking love Just Dance. Uh, I just think it's great because you get to game but you also get you to put your exercise in at the same time and also i'm really good at it i'm really good at getting the high score i'm not necessarily great at dancing i'm just really good at at getting megastar which is like the best score you can get in in just dance right so yeah bizarrely that is the game that i look forward to so much every year i like that (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah i i really need to be better but I, I tend to play games that i'm given or i i will go out and i'll buy indie games or like i'll see something maybe at e3 that i'm really kind of looking forward to but i just didn't get much of a chance to watch all the e3 presentations this year mm-hmm. so i feel like i'm a little bit behind on things and also so much is about the next gen of consoles as opposed to what we're playing on it like i know everyone's really like ecstatic about cyberpunk but like i just think about cyberpunk and i think i don't have time for that i don't have time for that I don't have time for like MMORPGs. I don't have time. I know that Cyberpunk isn't, but I don't tend to have time for that, which is why I love Spider-Man because there are lots of different like to-do lists that I got to check off. And I actually bought the DLC for it. And I haven't finished the DLC because then I moved flat and have been renovating, but I need to maybe dust off my PlayStation at some point and, and do the rest of the DLC because I really enjoyed it to be fair. Yeah. Uh, I think I give myself like only a, one of these games. Like, between like you know witches skyrim and like now cyberpunk mm. like because i'm a type of person who just like has to do everything in a game and oh, yeah, games like this yeah they, they just destroy yeah. my life so i'm i've like kind of put a stop on everything i'm just playing dota i'm waiting for cyberpunk that's one game that i'm going to mm. go into and then the next god of war so like yeah. um yeah i can't I, same as you i don't have the time so i'm just gonna like invest all my efforts into one game sure i think that sounds like sensible it's a good idea I mean, I've not even played Last of Us 2 yet. I need to play that. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to at some point playing that game. Yeah. So this is kind of sad, but what, this is what I've, got, what I've done is like, because I don't have time to go to play these games, because I know of myself, if I play it, I'll just be lost and I'll never come back and no one's mm. going to hear from me. So I actually go and watch the walkthrough by my favorite streamers. Like if I see, so like, you know, Sing Sing, I always like mm. him to watch. Like he's just interesting to yeah. watch. So like, I think that's my new... Uh, 
guilty pleasure of like if I can't play a game myself, I go and watch someone who I like or I enjoy yeah. and watch them play it. So I think that that's how I go through the game. Um, if Lewis doesn't have anything, I wanted to bring this back to your podcast, My Life in Pixels. I want to mm-hmm. say, I want to ask. Well, first, uh, you, you can put a plug in there as well. I mean, we don't have that many listeners, but still, then you might get something okay. out of it. But also, I want to see like what made you decide to start uh, My Life in Pixels. Oh, when I lose a job, I start a podcast. I did this when I lost my job at a radio station. I did a music podcast for like eight episodes uh, or maybe not even that. So I started it because I didn't see any interviewing podcasts or I couldn't really find any in, in po- e- esports at the time when I started it. And I started it around April 2018. And actually, to be fair, no, it wasn't even esports. It was just ga- like I, I just wanted to interview around gaming so the first couple are actually with developers uh well a publisher the first one's with the developer uh the second one is with a, a publisher um and then i realized that my strength was talking to people that i knew and most of the people i knew were in esports so yeah it's just kind of went from there and there were kind of conversations with friends and so that there, there's like 30 something episodes i think maybe 40 i'm not actually sure how many there are now i used to like number them all but I'm, I realized that I wasn't doing it. I was very sporadic with it, partly because I'm terrible. I'm terrible at asking people to be on the podcast because I'm so afraid of rejection. And I don't want to like impose on friends by being like, hello, um, will you do this? So I, yeah, I just kind of don't ask. Um, and then the last series I did kind of as a season. So that I felt like was better, was more manageable because I was going, right, I'm aiming for eight episodes here. And so I did 10. But I'm kind of resting the podcast for the rest of the year. I might do some more in the future, but I'm also going to be hosting some podcasts for other people. I don't know how many. I know I, I, there's one that's just been commissioned. I can't really say anything more than that, but it will be in gaming in some way. Um, and so I'm really excited to do that because it means that I'm doing something that's going to have promotion and it's going to have really, really good guests. And all I need to do is my job rather than trying to do the other stuff. And so I'm really excited about that. And maybe I'll do some other podcasts as well. And I'm quite looking forward to that because you can be quite agile making podcasts, but also you can, you know, you can fit in a few episodes in a day. Um, and at some point I need to slow down because I spent seven months of the year outside of the country in 2019. And this year, obviously it would have been similar if, things hadn't changed with the world so next year I need to start being a bit better to myself uh, physically and try and work out how I can do my career and still succeed without saying yes to everything because there's a fear you know if you don't say yes to something then you won't get asked again or someone else will do their job and then another job like that you do they'll see that person being amazing and then they'll just forget about you <laughs> and that's scary right that, that could have happened to me this year like I don't know what's going to happen next year but I'm, I'm fairly hopeful about some stuff so it should be okay yeah as your PG friend I do say you, you need to be nicer to yourself and rest a bit more yeah I do I'm trying at the moment this is my like I'm in a sort of week off this week next week I need to start prepping for events because I've got four events back to back um so yeah yeah we had we had this conversation before so yeah <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> all right louis back to right. uh i think we're almost done but i wanted to ask you something on in terms of diversity in gaming mm-hmm. so we've seen a big push for in, being more inclusive in terms of video game storylines in terms of video game design what is something you'd like to see in in terms of inclusiveness i mean do you want to do you want do you think developers should always think of inclusivity or do you think that it should fit a purpose the the character should not be shoehorned into the game but they should rather serve a purpose in terms of their inclusion i mean i just think when you're telling a story you just need to ask yourself whose story you're telling i think there are a lot of there's outcries you know when a woman or like a non-white character is put into a game and then then there there's a chorus of people who go oh this is virtual signaling and actually what they're saying is this character doesn't look like me so this game's not for me and it's like no no this game it's not that it's this game isn't just for you and i think that's you know there's an audience that have been served in the same way for an extremely long period of time and so they're not used to the change and they think that means something different for them when actually it doesn't it just means we're seeing more stories on screen um so i don't really think that uh 
I haven't really witnessed much in the way of like shoehorning in in stories apart from you know uh, women in fighting games playing uh, in wholly inappropriate outfits. I'm just like right. So um, so who exactly um is able to fight like that in high heels? Because you don't see people in karate dojos uh, training in high heels. So you, you can say that there have been design elements that have been shoehorned in games for decades. And now what's happening is we're going, well, maybe actually we'll make that a little bit more practical, right? Like Tifa in the, new, in the Final Fantasy VII like, remake, she's still not 100% practical, but she's more practical than she used to be. And that's a step forward. Uh, but obviously people are like, this is not my Tifa. Well, actually it is because it's still the same character. It's just that you know, it's 2020 now. So the worst, the worst that I saw was when, um, for me was like seeing the reveal for Final Fantasy 15 and seeing Cindy, because you have a character called Cindy who's in like most of the Final Fantasy games, right? Mechanic. And so they create the Cindy character who's a mechanic. I think he's, maybe she's Sydney's, uh, Sid's daughter. Sid's daughter. Yeah. yeah right. Um, and the first shot you saw of her in the trailer for the, uh, VR game that got scrapped uh and was replaced with a different a fishing game instead was literally down her top <laughs> it was literally just her cleavage and she's wearing a g-string and short shorts and she's not appropriately attired for being a mechanic at all uh and for me that's that's like that's shoehorn into the game right like <laughs> that's it's not shoehorning the character because the character of course like is is fine for being a mechanic but like why would like if you were like bending over cars and stuff, your boobs will fall out. <laughs> like, just, <laughs> just like it's not practical, is it? So I think that's the kind of way to that I look at it. When people are like, "Oh, well, this this character's been like, oh, there's a gay storyline in The Last of Us," so uh, oh, Last of Us Part Two. So this is like this is just like shoe hoarding things in. Well, actually, like with Ellie, um, like I mean, she's been abused by like she's you know she's had negative experiences with with like both men and women um like throughout the games so i think her sexuality has nothing to do with that i think it has something to do with her as a person and that's you know that's a her character that part of her character has been fleshed out uh so when people are just kind of saying oh you just like shoehorned a lesbian storyline into this well no, that's not how it works in real life in real life there are people who are gay and there are people who aren't gay um, i know that's the simplistic term there are people who identify with all different types of sexualities so why would it be unusual for someone in a game to not be straight because in the real world there are plenty of people who aren't straight so that's kind of my thoughts on it all righty uh yeah, I, I like the fact that like people are completely comfortable with playing this bald dude who rips God's faces off or like play mm -hmm. as a bandicoot. But then the moment game, the game is like about a human being, if it's just not white and if it's not a guy, they have like, they're like, no, that's not my character. Like mm. it, it, the game, like the medium is just meant to allow us to do so many crazy things. And then suddenly when it gets close to like, you know, uh, being a human and they're like no that 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 i don't want yeah another question just on sensitivity in gaming so gaming for most of us is an escape from reality mm -hmm. however there is a growth of political correctness i'm not saying it's right or wrong it's just uh, factual do you think that political correctness is something that should be a part of gaming or do you think it has no place in video gaming because it's supposed to be reality right it's not supposed to be taken too seriously as a medium i mean it depends on what you mean i'm not really sure what you mean like by political correctness i think that as a developer you have a tone of voice and you use it so there are going to be some people who aren't politically correct there are going to be some people who make games that are on the banned list of twitch and you can't stream them because uh they you know like what is it like there's a game called rape day for example right that's a like, bit okay that game's a bit weird but i mean like that's not it's not just weird mate it's it's a lot it's a, like why would someone games are escapism and you know becoming other people and having fun but like in what world is it like fun to go out and like rape women for example no, no, obviously like, there are there are limits so i yeah exactly there are limits and i think it's up to the steam steam stores or or um the people that sell those games right they can make the decision whether they want to put that game in their store or not right 
Um, in terms of like political correctness, uh, like, and how people are treated in games and stuff like that, again, it's down to the developer. And then if people want to play that game, they play it. And if they don't want to play it, they don't play it. But games have got an educational purpose as well. So, and I don't think many games are hugely politically correct. Like, again, we've already discussed kind of the, like, how female characters are often tired and how they're treated and things like that. And you know what? There's a place for sexy video game characters. It's like there's a place for Geralt having bath scenes in The Witcher, right? Like, I think if you've got that representation, if you've got, like, a good-looking woman, you've got a good-looking man or whatever, and you're, you're presenting them both as, like, sexual objects as well as fleshed-out characters, then fab. Like, why not? Go for it. That's all good with me. Um, but yeah, and, uh, you know, Far Cry recently, Far Cry 5 sort of uh, did like a kind of cult storyline and, and things like that. So, uh, and I'm sure there were probably cutscenes in that. Unfortunately, I haven't played it. I just watched someone else play a bit of it. Uh, there are, you know, scenes like that, which probably push the boundaries because of what they're representing. Um but yeah, I, I haven't really seen anything in a video game where I've just been like, oh, well, that was that was pushed in to be woke, to be politically correct. Maybe that's because I I'm someone who on the internet would probably be discussed as like a a social justice warrior, or maybe people think that some of the things I say are virtue signaling. But I think those are terms that have been created in the last year or last few years to try and make people feel bad about wanting to do the right thing. And I don't think that therefore it's bad to be doing either of those things or to be those things because you're believing in good. Uh, so for me, I'm just like, I do do what you want as long as you're not like, uh, you know, going against censorship rules or you're inciting hatred towards another group of people, then that's fine, right? Uh, you have freedom of speech, you have freedom of platform, as long as you are not... Uh, as long as you're not trying to cause harm to other people and things like that. And I think the other thing with freedom of speech, because it comes up in gaming quite a lot, is you have freedom of speech, but you don't have freedom from consequence. Because that's how our culture is set up, right? Every culture has some kind of consequence to your actions. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts, I guess. Oh, well, I fully agree with you on that. <laughs> you can say what you want, but there is a consequence to what you say or what you mm. what you what you display. Mm -hmm. uh, Mahi, do you have anything? I'm just going to say vote for Frankie President 2021. That's all, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I want to say. I am not perfect. I get stuff wrong. I do get stuff wrong. Like, but I try and own up to that. If someone calls me out and things like that, I try and own up to it. Like sometimes it's hard. But mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, I sort of changed my stance on working in certain places earlier this year. Um, and it kind of went against stuff I done a couple of things that I've done in the past and then I went right okay well this is my stake in the ground and this is what I'm going to do going forward going forward these mm -hmm. are things I did in the past that I believe now are wrong um and I'll admit to that and uh you know I'll come under a lot of stick for that that's cool I mean it's not cool obviously it's it's hard but then I want to also be able to give myself permission to move forward and not feel bad about it for the rest of my life. <laughs> as long as I'm doing the right thing as I go forward, at least I've learned from it and then I can do good, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, what uh, I, I, I really like that. We know, the, well, it's a bit between us, but uh, we were meant to work together and you told me like, you don't want to work with those guys. And I really admired that. Like, you know, I can understand not everyone's perfect, but owning up to what you do or making a decision and be like, this is why, this is what I stand for. This is an what I don't want to do and this is what I want to do and like you know at least having that direction for yourself and not just going like just because it's a job I'm going to do it so that was really cool for me like when you told me that I was just like wow she's just like she knows what she wants and so she's going to put her foot down I appreciate that thanks so. <laughs> yeah uh, that was yeah that was kind of part of that decision I think um which means that like you know I probably have I don't know how if I'll ever get to work with that client again or maybe in in the future we'll be able to like move forward uh, i don't know but i mean they don't need to work with me that's the thing there's so many talented people out there they don't need to work with me so i have to kind of accept that or try and do something about it so hopefully we can kind of like i can sort of move forward with with that client in the future that, that tournament organizer and we can have a discussion about it but like so far i think that's 
we're not in that kind of space where we're able to do that yet. All right, I think with that, we, we can bring it to an end. At the end, uh, we're gonna like, again, put the plugs in. So I know your Twitch is Get Frank. Um, yes, uh, my Twitch is Frankie, oh. uh, literally Frankie with an IE. My Twitter is Frankie Ward. My YouTube right. is Frankie Ward. And then my Instagram is Get Frank Games. Uh, all right, there you go. Sorry, I got it. I got it wrong. It's all right. Oh, it's getfrank.co.uk. That's my website. Yeah, so that's yeah. where I occasionally write stuff. So normally I will write an article when I feel like there's no nuance to Twitter because you've got like what 240 characters. So if I kind of feel strongly about something or I want to explain why I feel that way, then I'll write an article about it on my blog. Because I think that's one of the the key things is like I don't like to just. Uh, state things or maybe i have in the past to do usually something to do with the quality or whatever and um people have kind of maybe it's been put out there too simply and sometimes it is genuinely because i can't get my head around something really basic people disagreeing with um but most of the time i'll write about it on my blog and just kind of go through it and explain why i feel the way i feel mm-hmm. perfect all right well yeah but everyone knows where to follow her again as usual lewis is going to stay anonymous on the internet for me yeah. <laughs> anything uh, fitness related Elmido fitness and then uh, as usual this is majoring in the minus podcast lewis anything to add at the end i just want to say thank you very much frankie for this you've been yeah. super awesome and uh, hope to have you as a guest another time oh, just chit chat in general yeah right. thanks lewis and nice FYI, to meet you. i i uh, i downloaded katana zero because of your praise so i, I just got it <laughs> oh have you just downloaded it i just downloaded it oh, enjoy it there. you got to play on a controller though oh Oh, it's genuinely a controller game. Have you got one? Mm, no, not for my PC. Oh. Okay. You can Order play without it. a controller, but I will tell you it's better with a controller. <laughs> All right. Give, I'll it first go. Try. Give it a go. See how you find it. I'll see how many times I die. Oh, yeah. But it's amazing. It's, it's, I, I hope you enjoy it. It's, uh, right. yeah, it's a classic Devolver. Can't wait. Uh, Can't publisher. wait. <laughs> but again, thank you very much for actually taking so part in this. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Majoring in the Minus podcast. We love you all. Uh, love you and leave you. Bye.